you know, we got some good stuff on our end too. And let's invite our friend uh, into the show. And he is uh, a friend. Um, it's Sean Pendergrass, who you hear on Sports Radio 610 in Houston doing a morning drive. Sean, thank you for your time. Um, what kind of season has it been for you guys uh, down in Houston? It's been uh, a, a renaissance. It's been uh, awesome. It's fun having conversations about relevant football in December. We haven't had that in a few years down here. So it's been, it's been awesome. It's been great. Um, you know, from the day that D'Amico Ryans got hired back in late January through the draft, that night of the draft where they drafted C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson with back-to-back picks, it's really just been it's, it's been incredible. It really has uh, to kind of be back in the mix here. I think probably a year earlier than we anticipated being back in the mix for things like this. So it's been cool. Um, it's, it's been cool watching, you know, it's, it's been nerve wracking because as you guys have probably touched on doing the study on the Texans, you, you have to go back a ways to find a game that didn't come down to the last 30 seconds of the game. Literally their last seven games have come down to the last 30 seconds of the game Crazy. and they've won a few and they've lost a few. But, um, but like the biggest thing is I heard you guys talking about there, like the biggest thing is that they found their quarterback, it would appear. Um, and that's been, that's been just, that's been huge. Sean, it's, it's good to hear your voice again, man. The last time we talked, uh, it was not too too good over there in Houston, man. <laughs> but things have yeah, turned Phil, around. <laughs> Phil, I was going to say, I knew when I was coming <laughs> on with you, I'm like, hey, look, man, like I could come on and tell all kinds of stories from the last couple of years in Houston. But, but Zach, you got somebody sitting right there who was in the building in 2021 when it, when it was super weird and Deshaun Watson was still in the yes. building and all that stuff, like, uh, so yeah, man, Phil, it's good to hear your voice too. And it's good to glad, glad to see you thriving, man. I appreciate that. Sean, the fan base. Okay. It has to be exploding right now. When I was playing, they were booing us. How is the atmosphere over there right now? It's getting better. You know, like, like it, there was, there was a lot of damage done to this fan base and you, you were only here for, for part of it, yeah. Philip, but the, like the, the, you know, some of the decisions that were made, obviously, that preceded 2021. You know, Bill O'Brien, for, for, you know, for some of the success that he had, actually winning divisions and winning a few playoff games, he did a lot of damage to the organization when he was in the role of general manager, trading DeAndre Hopkins. And just there were a lot of things that went on behind the scenes that I think that there, there were certain points along the way, probably even prior to 2021, where fans just bailed and said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. They didn't like the coach. He was also the GM. They made a lot of moves that people didn't like. So it's been a slow burn getting people back into the building. It's been a rough couple of years, but it's slowly getting there. I think the most interesting thing about, about the sort of the renaissance that the fan base has had, and it's getting better and the stadium's getting fuller, is that C.J. Stroud has been almost begging fans to get back in the building. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the thing. Like C.J. Stroud comes from Ohio State where he's used to people – He's used to 110,000 people that are showing up to watch them play Tennessee Tech in September. Mm. And now you got big games last week, like against Jacksonville, where eventually the stadium's full, you know pretty full, but it takes a quarter and a half for the people to get in the building. I will say this. The people that are in the building now, and the games are, are close to sellouts. But in, prior to 2020, the Texans sold out every week going all the way back to inception 2002. Wow. And then they, they got sideways with the fan base, and it got really bad. They're getting back close to sellouts now. Almost all the seats are filled at the peak of games. I will say this. The people that are in there are loud. Mm-hmm. Is a, the Broncos will be facing a loud stadium on, uh, on Sunday. I, I don't, the optics of it on TV will probably look 
especially at the outset of the game, at kickoff, like, okay, well, the Texans, you know, they got two-thirds of the stadium full here, whatever. It'll be a loud stadium. It's been really loud for these last few home games. We're talking with Sean Pendergast, who is one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610 uh, in the mornings down there in Houston. A couple fascinating layers uh, between these two teams, all right? How much does your fan base love their new coach, and how could things have been different if you guys ended up hiring Sean Payton and the Broncos ended up hiring D'Amico Ryans? Dude, okay, so Zach, you, you came on my show yesterday, and you, we played the audio of you laying out the draconian policies of the Payton regime there from, from the get-go with all the, the, you know, the training camp restrictions and not talking to rookies and all the things you laid out. We, we, played, we, we played that audio at least two times today to go through that exact exercise because we know that it was, it, you know, it was in the, it was in play that this could be flipped, that Peyton could be the coach of the Texans and Domingo Ryans could be the coach of the Denver Broncos. So we played the what if game um, to answer the first part of your question, Domingo Ryans is revered down here. He would be revered down here if he was the Denver Broncos coach. That's how much people think of Domingo Ryans. Wow. He was the captain of this football team from about a week into him setting foot on the property of a Houston Texan back in 2006. My co-host Seth Payne played defensive line on D'Amico's. And when D'Amico was a rookie, it was Seth's last year in the league. So Seth was a 10-year veteran. And Seth will tell stories about, like, how they got into the huddle, uh, like, the first week of camp. Like, the first day of camp, they get into the huddle. And uh, they get into the huddle, and all the vets are kind of side-eyeing D'Amico Ryan's. Like, okay, he's a rookie. He's calling the signals, whatever. Seth would say, by like the third play, they're all like, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, like D'Amico has a presence about him. Wow. So he's revered down here. Um, so, so that's, you know, that was, that was never in question. That, the fact that he's the head coach is incredible. Like that's, that's been a huge reason why people have come back into the building and that they're winning already is almost gravy for a lot of people. Um, but if the way they've run things down here with D'Amico is almost the exact opposite of what you were describing in Denver, like, we do our shows. We're the flagship. We do our shows during training camp, literally sitting at the 50-yard line at practice at a table. Um, they, you talk about rookies. We had Will Anderson on the midday show literally the second day of practice walking off the practice field. Um, the social media team can't put enough content out about this team. Like, it overflows. The, the social media team is having a Super Bowl caliber year for the Houston Texans. So, it's the complete opposite of what you were describing in Denver yesterday, and I can't even imagine what that would be like, given just the PR disaster that the last couple of years have been for the Texans. If the head coach came in and was mm. dish- and was was handling things like that, I think they it would be a real, real uphill battle with the fan base right now. Sean, there's a lot of debate going on here in Denver, okay, especially with mm-hmm. Zach and I. Um, but maybe you could clarify something right here, okay? C.J. Stroud ended up going to the Houston Texans. But how close were you guys drafting Bryce Young? Well, I, the, the, the story is that they wanted to trade up from two to one and that they would have taken Bryce Young. And I, I actually I believe that to be true. I, I, think that, I think that Bryce checked a lot of boxes for the Texans as to what they like. They really like Alabama guys. <laughs> you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. one thing. Like, it, they didn't get Bryce, but John Mechie's on this team and Christian Harris is on this team and Will Anderson and Henry Toa Toa. They've got four guys in the last two draft classes that are Alabama guys. So they love, they love guys that come out of Alabama and how, how ready they are to be in the NFL. 
Um, so I think if they if they had if they had lost that game to Indianapolis in Week 18, which by the way they won on a basically a hail mary fourth and 20, they won that game and wound up with the second pick. And it's just crazy to think now, like if they had wound up with the first, like that hail mary is what got them CJ Stroud in essence. Because I, I Philip, I think they would have taken Bryce Young mm-hmm. if they had the first pick. There were stories that they tried to trade up to get the first pick, wow. and maybe the price of poker got a little too got a little too much for Nick Casario. And I and, and if I had to guess, I think I don't think they saw Bryce as the guy in a landslide or anything like that. But I absolutely think it's feasible that they had him at the top of their big board. But they felt okay staying at two and keeping their picks and not moving up and taking C.J. Stroud. And thank God it worked out that way. Wow. Wow. What a story. Uh, we're talking with Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610 down there in Houston. Um, what are they saying and what are you guys saying about the Broncos uh, this week when you're, when you're talking about the um, you know, preview in the game? Yeah, I think just, I mean, obviously real hot team right now, winning a bunch of games. Not like a like. There's certain five game winning streaks you look at and go, okay, well that team's trampling other teams. That's a scary team. Like I think I think we looked at the Texans when they played Cincinnati earlier this year um, in Cincinnati in Week Ten. The Bengals were on a, a four game winning streak, and Joe Burrow was starting to look like Joe Burrow again. And you know they they looked like the Bengals teams that were making deep playoff runs the last couple of years. This Broncos team, I, it's not like a scary five-game winning streak. The turnovers have really been big. I, the way we've been kind of breaking the game down is I do feel like the, what the Texans do well uh, matches up pretty decently with the Broncos. You know, like I know the Broncos have been pounding the football on the ground. They've been using Russell Wilson, you know, a little more kind of game manager-ish. The Texans defend the run really well. The pass defense is super leaky, but they get Jimmy Ward back at safety this week. Guys, this will be the first game the Texans have had their starting secondary together all year long of Jalen Petrie, Jimmy Ward, Derek Stingley Jr., and Steven Nelson. They've not played those four guys together in a single game yet this year because of injuries. So I expect the pass defense to be a little bit better. And I just I expect C.J. Stroud to eat because that's what we expect every week now. So I think <laughs> my, my kind of handicap or analysis of the game is that if the Texans just protect the football, and they they defend the run and they put the game on Russell Wilson, you know, get him in bad down and distance situations. I feel really good about the Texans' chances. Um, but they've had a couple games of late where they've been a little careless with the football. So that's that's sort of how we're looking at it. Like, it's, it's not a Broncos team that I see as super scary, but the Texans play all these games close. They all come down to the last minute, and I expect the same thing to happen on Sunday. Sean, health. That is what it's all about in the NFL. And right now, the Denver Broncos have one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. How is yeah. the health over there down in Houston? Yeah, it's, it, you know, Phil, it's not, it's not horrible. The offensive line has been kind of a jumbled mess all year long because of injuries. Like, yeah. this is, they're going to be starting their sixth different combination along the offensive wow. line this year in this game on Sunday. Because um, Titus Howard, your former teammate, yep. went out with a knee injury. Um, he he tore his knee, it's patellar tendon, in the game against uh, Jacksonville this past week. So now they've got Juice Scruggs, a rookie who just came off IR, second-round pick, who was supposed to play center this year. He's going to play left guard. Titus wasn't even supposed to be playing left guard. He was supposed to be playing right tackle. Um, it's, it's just been the offensive line is where most of the injuries have occurred. Um, but they're actually a fairly healthy team. They've got, for the first time since week one, they've got their full complement of wide receivers, um, as I mentioned, the secondary is now healthy again. Probably the biggest injuries that are going to impact this game, if you're a Bronco fan, you know, if you're looking for good news, 
Dalton Schultz is going to miss this game, the tight end. He's evolved into a really reliable target for C.J. Stroud, the former Dallas Cowboy who's been really, really good coming over here on sort of a one-year prove-it deal. And then on the defensive side, Sheldon Rankins, another veteran who signed a one-year deal here who's been really stout on the defensive line. He missed practice all week as well. It's a, it's a relatively healthy team, but the injuries along the offensive line have really – that's what's caused a lot of the inconsistency for the Texans in being able to run the football. That's the amazing thing about what C.J. Stroud's doing this year. He's doing it with, like, the 30th best run game in the league. It's really remarkable. All right, we're going to let you go, but before uh, we do, Sean, and we're talking with Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610 uh, there in the mornings down in Houston, we're about to play trivia with our listeners. All right, we do this every okay. day at the bottom of uh, hour number four on every Friday. I got a trivia yeah. question for you. Phil, Sean is a, is a fellow booger-eating wrestling fan. <laughs> so here's my, here's, here's my trivia question for you. Uh, what Hall of Fame defensive player in the NFL – fought Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania 11. Oh, that's – oh, come on, man. Lawrence Taylor, 1995, WrestleMania 11, <laughs> Hartford Civic. <laughs> right, well, which, which, which Hall of Fame running back accompanied Razor Ramon to the ring at SummerSlam 94? Zach, I, I'm a little insane. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. <laughs> All right. All right. This is good oh, stuff, man. man. Go back to drinking your beers because I'm almost sure that's what you're doing. <laughs> good talking to you guys. I hope we get to do it again. Great catching up. All right. There you go, Sean Pendergrass. Great stuff. Uh, one half of Payne and Pendergrass in the mornings on uh, the flagship station down in Houston, Sports Radio 610.